do the dirty bird, baby, because we're going to Atlanta. Yes, we are. This is the second to last division, people. The heat wave is almost over, and that means your drafts are almost here. And the only thing you need to dominate your draft, become your own expert. That gives you every single tool in your hand is the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, and it is free right now. There are so many products out there for fantasy. There's so many analysts. There's so many ideas, so many tweets, so many numbers. At the end of the day, everyone is selling you on their ideas. The Brodo fa- the Fantasy Football by Brodo app is selling you on your ideas. We're giving you everything you need to do exactly what we do, what we've been doing for the last seven years, and we put it all in one app in one place so you can find it there. And there's exclusive stats, and it's free. And the reason it's free is because of, Patreon, of the people over at patreon.com slash Fantasy. Come join us. Be in the Discord. Play in a league. Get extra episodes. There's so many things you can get, and you support the show. With that being said, let's continue the heat wave, baby. The Atlanta Falcons. Let's get it started. Tonight, yet another staggering heat wave striking fantasy football. Hot and hot and so hot and hot. So hot So I already said this in a podcast before, but I am copywriting the nickname Honey Bijan. All right. It's coming. I'm telling you, it's coming. When he does a sweet move, he's going to be Honey Bijan. And I'm copywriting that shit. He copyrighted it. Tim. Yeah. And you're so. First off, (laughs) hold on. Hold on. I was about to introduce you guys. Say again. He literally already created a Honey Bijan mustard, bro. Like, did he? Yeah, yeah, a long time oh. ago when he was still in Texas. Well, I think mean, that's that's his Honey Bijan mustard, but I'm just saying that's going to be his new nickname. Anyway, listen, honeys, <laughs> honey, honey, oh, honey. Man. What? Why? Listen, that's not. Man. Did did George? Foreman, I just did George Foreman copyright the word grill? No, no I mean, he has I a missed, George Foreman grill. I missed some episodes yeah, and I come back the to grill master. the the most Tim thing of all time. <laughs> like right when I returned. Welcome back, Michael. Welcome back, Matt. Michael, Thanks, back from Love Europe. Yep. Michael just went on a European vacation. Tell us about the European vacation you were just on, Michael. Ah, I mean, it was glorious. Highly recommend anyone going to uh, the coast of France and the coast of Italy. Beautiful, beautiful waters and a good How, time. You know that Michael is a fantasy football head when uh, he was still first on like some of the fantasy news, even though he was in Italy. Like he would be hitting the chats and being like first on the fantasy news, um, and uh, and responding to fantasy stuff. And so uh, you know he's he's eating that good pasta, and he's also eating up some uh, fantasy knowledge. He's about to drop that fantasy knowledge on you guys. And uh, one thing that we've been dropping on this um, on 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 this entire series is the offensive outlook. And we just want to remind you, if you don't remember why we're doing this, the offensive system is the key. I think like you can you can have a bunch of queens that can move all around the board. But if you don't have a guy who can move the chess pieces, then uh, your offense is not going to click. And the Atlanta Falcons now are going into year three with the same head coach. And that's head coach Arthur Smith Falcons head coach after after having a very short stint of just one year as the Titans um, offensive coordinator taking over from a guy who for uh, LaFleur, forget his first name, uh, Michael. No, not Michael for. The hell's his first name? The Green Bay Matt. coach. LaFleur. Matt, Matt LaFleur. LaFleur. There you go. Yeah, so taking over from Matt LaFleur. Um, 
he his team led the NFL in rushing percentage on third down and while trailing by seven or more points in 2022. That is something to note because this team ran a lot. The combination of Dave, Dave Ragone, who is the offensive coordinator, and Arthur Smith has resulted in one of the most uh, annoying yet effective rushing attacks in the NFL. Um, Dave Ragone, in 2022, the Falcons offense led the NFL in fewest penalties, finished third in the NFL in rushing yards per game, and th- 10th in third down conversion rate. The Falcons also had the highest successful play rate on rushing attempts based on EPA. Uh, That was 45.1%. So that's a high percentage. The Falcons rushing attack averaged more than 74.5 rushing yards per game in 2022. Um, Then it did in 2021, resulting in the largest one season improvement by any team since 2021. So it really shows you the shift that was made um, on this team. Cordero Patterson, Tyler Algier, Marcus Mariota, Caleb Huntley. The Falcons became the first team to have four players with at least 250 rushing yards through the first eight games of an NFL season in NFL history. Additionally, um, Tyler Algier, a rookie, um, surpassed Williams Andrews in 1979 for the most rushing yards by a rookie in franchise history. Uh, I have a feeling that that record is going to fall this season um, and became the sixth rookie selected in the fifth round or later to eclipse 1,000 rushing yards in the past 20 seasons. So these guys don't just grow on trees. Patterson also set the single season, his single season career highs for rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. All right. Falcons offense set a seven and 10 record. That was fourth dead last 15th in points per game last year, 21.5 points, 31st lowest pass percentage, second in run percentage. Only the bears ran more than them. Their offensive additions, Big one, obviously, rookie running back, Bijan Robinson. They also add tight end Jonu Smith, who can do a lot of things um, in this offense. I kind of like I kind of like the fit. Don't forget, Jonu Smith made his name um, with Arthur, Arthur Smith in Tennessee. Um, Matt Collins on the outside, one of the weirdest, but cool. Like he, I, I think he's got like a, a very weird, but it's a swaggy weird. You know, he's not like weird. weird. I like Matt Collins a lot. Like Me as a too, person, man. like I, I like his style a lot. Right, man. Like, yo, stop eating soup. All right. No, I love soup. I don't know what his problem is with soup, but eating soup with forks and stuff or his hands or whatever. He has an issue with soup. He he, he, he doesn't think anyone utensils. should eat soup. He thinks they're soft. He also walks around in bare feet, which I fuck with because I also walk around with bare feet as much as possible. I'm in bare I have bare feet right now. Bro, Tim used to when Johnny and Timmy lived um above each other, Johnny was in the downstairs apartment, Tim was above. Tim would walk downstairs to Johnny's place and then walk back upstairs and forget his shoes. <laughs> yeah. Who the fuck does that? <laughs> Me, because I shit. like I walk around barefoot. Always blew my mind. Uh, yeah, they also <laughs> they also added Tyler Haneke. Um, subtractions: Marcus Mariota and wide receiver Olamide Zacchaeus. All right. So. Now that we took you through all that, I hate these episodes where it's just like kind of like me talking uh, at you guys in a row. I, I, you know, I hate doing it, but here we go because I got quarterback Let's and I got it. it should be quick. I hope. No, it's not going to be. Oh, boy, I got things go. to say about Desmond Ritter. All right. You're not going to like this, but look, don't overreact to what I'm about to say. But I think if there is a huge outside possibility at someone coming up from like quarterback 28 or 29 and wherever he's being drafted and ending as a quarterback one i think desmond ritter has an outside chance of being that guy and i think that i (laughs) i see i I saw it this time michael and i and i really think that desmond ritter 
is being undervalued and not talked about at all, considering the type of skills this guy's bring guy brings to the table. Um, I want I want to note something. All right, so he didn't light the world on fire. I'm not gonna give you stats. I could give you stats. I'm not gonna give you stats. Usually, when rookies come in, the pass attempts for a team go down. Right? Think about when someone goes from a veteran to a rookie quarterback. Usually, the pass attempts take a huge step down. All right, and they start leaning on the run more. Last year, that was not the case. In 13 games with Marcus Mariota, 23 attempts per game and 14 completions per game for the Falcons. In four games with Desmond Ritter, 29 attempts per game. That's six more attempts per game and 18 completions per game. That's four more completions per game. So in his first four starts with the Falcons, he's already trusted more than a guy who has played for this coach before and has started 13 games. Uh, right off the bat, based on those numbers, based on what they put in the kids' hands, right? On top of that, right, th no one, there was a lot of quarterbacks available this summer, and the Atlanta Falcons were not in on any of these names. And if you're looking at, like, like Aaron Rodgers joined the Jets, right? And the Jets is because they had a good situation. If the Falcons were a possibility, they have a great situation to go into. They, they, have, a, they have a nice supporting cast for a guy like Aaron Rodgers or a guy like Derek Carr, but they were not in the market for these guys at all because they believed in Desmond Ritter. And I think something that no one's talking about, I bet you it's going to be a surprise for 98% of the people listening, except the people who read Matt Ward uh, at the Dynasty Don two years ago when Desmond Ritter was being drafted. Here's one thing about Ritter that no one is talking about. He was a great running back, a great running quarterback in college. Elite. I'm talking about he had a, he had 98 attempts or more all four years of his college career. 501 attempts for 2,180 yards and 28 rushing touchdowns in his time in Cincinnati. Ritter and Mariota last year, while they were playing, combined for 101 rushing attempts. That would be sixth in the NFL. That was well. It's good for six in the NFL, and the only guys they that combo would be behind Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, Josh Allen, Daniel Jones, Lamar Jackson. Those are elite runners. Oh, and I'm, I know what you must be thinking. Well, maybe this is like a Ryan Tannehill situation where he's not that great of an athlete, but he knows what. No, he ran a four-five-two at the combine. That's ninety-eighth percentile. Oh, why are you shitting on Ryan Tannehill? Ryan Tannehill's a great athlete. Uh, yeah, he's that's not true. He, he's Ryan not running four. strays for no reason. Yo, he's yeah. not running four or five. I was guys. I was feeling your your Desmond Ritter hype. Keep going, <laughs> guys. I'm not. He's not running a four or five. I like to put that into perspective. Justin Fields ran a four four six. That's only a half second faster. Like that's 98th percentile, guys. 98th percentile with Bijan in the backfield. All right, there's a lot of opportunities that could be had for Desmond Ritter to score touchdowns and. I'm going to use Ryan Tannehill as one of those examples. When Ryan Tannehill took over for Marcus Mariota, he had um, where 26 starts for uh, under Arthur Smith. And in those 26 starts, he rushed in 11 touchdowns. 11. That's OD. On top of that, the Falcons came into the year as PFF's number seven ranked own line. They have a they have one of the best players in the league on their O line. Uh, Lindstrom, the guard, and they ha they have a great unit. Great. Look, I'm not saying that you should you should draft this guy to be your QB one, but in a two QB league, if you're if you're waiting on your second quarterback or you or you draft the third quarterback, or in a streamer type situation, 
I think Desmond Ritter is going to have sneaky value this year, and he's going to be someone that we're going to be talking about as like a viable fantasy option the, the exact same way we did Ryan Tannehill because he's going to rush in like six, seven touchdowns. I really do believe that. So I think Desmond Ritter is being wholly slept on right now, like like not even considered. And I'm again, don't get, don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you to go out and draft Desmond Ritter, but something to keep in mind if you're looking I'm for a sleeper like here. Him. Not, not Mariota really. had some stream appeal last year. That's true. Even. There's no denying that. And I, I would say that Desmond Ritter at his current juncture in his career is more talented than, Mar- than Marcus Mariota was last season. 1,000 million, 100%. I think you could see that when they when they got on the field with the same team. Um, all right. So I talked about the quarterback first. We always talk about the quarterback first. But the the real star of the show here. The bell the of the bull. The bell of the bull. So tell us all about Honey Bijan. Trademark. Copyright. Bijan, man, yeah, he's the dead to rights RB1 in Dynasty, and, and rightfully so. I mean, he's kind of like comparably to LeBron in the sense that he, every step of the way, he was expected to be the number one at his position, like five-star recruit, number one running back recruit. And then he was every single season, fresh, true freshman breakout, sophomore progression, um, incredible junior season, obviously top eight NFL draft capital. Average 4.1 yards after contact per attempt, that's per touch, generated 2,370 total yards after contact across his three seasons at Texas, led all 2023 NFL draft eligible running backs with 212 total avoided tackles and 162.2 elusive rating per PFF. I mean, like he just, he checks all of the boxes and now he lands in an incredibly favorable system with a guy like Arthur Smith, who has, yes, also been kind of, loose with his running back room meaning like anybody can get touches anybody can get carries but obviously you don't spend up on a guy like that to not utilize him and every single running back that's been drafted in the top 10 in nfl history has received at least a 60 percent rushing share as a rookie so it's it's just it's money Bichon now it's not even honey anymore we're talking about a guy that legitimately in his first season has claims to be drafted as and an argument to finish as the rb1 overall in fantasy I'm having I'm having wet dreams about. I just got the tenth pick in in our twelve man uh, um, draft. I'm having daydreams about like because our draft, you know, it's it's a bunch of guys who want to win. So I don't know if they're all willing to take a chance on a rookie in the first round. If Bijan can fall to me at ten, I'm going to wet the bed. Going with the yeah, bed. I mean, the, the kid is just so elite at at everything, or, or at least borderline elite, and that's the thing. There's, there's no other running back in this class or has been really since Saquon that has just – he's better at what he does than everybody else. And he's not historically the most elite receiver, right? Like Jameer Gibbs shatters his receiving profile, but he's a better receiver and rusher and pass blocker and than – anybody else so that's it's he is really what you know like tim said it on a previous pod we'll we'll start to trademark like he's a five tool running back right like he's fast he's strong he can catch he can pass block like he really can what was the fifth tool (laughs) he he can do it all catch yeah right and like breaking tackles absolutely yeah and and then you have Tyler Algier who I want to talk about a little bit later in a special segment as well but like yeah, Tyler Algier is being criminally slept on right now. RB 46, 132 overall in redraft. And I think he's flying under the radar as one of the most overlooked high upside handcuffs in fantasy football. Obviously, nice. we don't want to project an injury, but should that happen? Like you are talking about league winning upside. Entering his second season, he's undeniably behind Bijan 
on the depth chart, although the Falcons early depth charts and beat reporters would like you to believe otherwise. Obviously, that's not the case. But Algier's position is somewhat irrelevant to the weekly utility that he brings, like in real life on the football field. And upside to your fantasy rosters you know should he vulture some of those touchdowns a la a jamal williams last season but his upside is reliant certainly on pure rushing as robinson and, and even Corderell patterson are going to profile as the elite receiving threats out of the backfield for the falcons but he's got plenty of path to relevance as a goal line threat early down thumper immense league winning upside again if robinson faces injuries and he averaged 10 points per game as a rookie rushed for 1,035 yards on only 210 attempts, averaging nearly five yards per carry, 4.9, four touchdowns, posted three consecutive RB1 finishes in the fantasy playoffs from week 15 through week 17, um, or through, and in week 18, he had an RB12 finishes again, but RB8, RB12, RB12 uh, in the fantasy playoffs. He also compiled an RB1 outing in 100% of the contests in which he received more than 60% of the snaps last season. Racked up 13 runs of 20 yards or more, evaded uh, 65 total tackles, ranked top 12 in the NFL in both those categories. So, like, the, everything points to him having immense upside should that backfield become his and having standalone upside as a pure rusher. Let me ask you a question because uh, you you, bra- you gave a you know great argument for Bijan. You gave a great argument for um, Tyler Algier. Where does Cordell Patterson fit in this equation? Because I think that's something that – He's almost an afterthought at this time where this is a guy who led the backfield in rushing two years ago, um, started the year as a starter, although kind of was supplanted because of injuries and such by uh, Tyler Algier later in the season. Like, So where does he fit here? Is he just uh, is he kind of just like a change of pace? Might see him outside. Like, What, what do you see for him? I think so. Yeah. And I, I think it's kind of retroceding back to what I said, like in an Arthur Smith offense, all of these guys are going to get like decent run and it's still going to be a run first offense and, and a high volume rushing offense. But Corderell Patterson didn't break out until year nine, which of course, <laughs> yes, you can make that argument that he still had fresh legs up until that point because it took so long to get an opportunity share that allowed him to break out. But he didn't break out until the ninth year of his career. Like he's really on the last legs of his career. We saw an injury riddled regressing efficiency season last year. And yeah, he can still be a change of pace receiving threat. He can spell Bijan on long distance drives, but his utility in the receiving game is going to provide pretty minimal upside, I would think, as the Falcons are looking to develop other pass catchers if they start to increase their passing volume towards that. 30 passing attempts per game as they were with Desmond Ritter. You know, like they have Drake London, they have Kyle Pitts. Obviously, they have Bijan Robinson. Like, it's not a team that is going to support a route tree of four players. No. Get ready for Cordell Patterson to have some annoying ass touchdowns. All right. For um... sure, vulturing some touchdowns. <laughs> I think, especially in those, like, you know, those backfield swing routes that you see inside of the five. Kansas yeah, man. City likes to utilize them a lot. But, like, yeah, for sure, he's going to. Come on, give us a Bijan. Come on, stop playing. All right, uh, Michael. So you have a interesting one here because, you know, Drake London right now, according to expert consensus ranking, is wide receiver 24. Um, that is higher than he was just a few weeks ago. So people seem to be getting higher on Mr. Drake London. How do you feel? You just went to Europe. Take us to London. I've been to London. Didn't go to London this year. Though. Bars. Well, look, Drake London, um, ADP of on, on underdog and FFPC, both wide receiver 24 as well. Look, he had a very impressive rookie season in a season where the Falcons ran for more yards than they passed for. I know Tim told you in the offensive outlook about how much they ran and how little they passed, but they passed for 2,699 yards 
and they ran for 2,718 rushing yards. Both 17 touchdowns. 17 rushing touchdowns, 17 passing touchdowns. Legitimately absurd. 415 <laughs> pass attempts to 559 rush attempts. Wild numbers. I don't know if, like, I should have looked back and saw when there was a discrepancy that big in a, a team prior to the Falcons. Nonetheless, Drake London still managed 72 receptions, 866 receiving yards, and four touchdowns. As you in, can imagine. In his rookie year. As a rookie. Reminder. Yeah. Reminder. As you can imagine, this came with some excruciatingly inconsistent games where the Falcons offense just could not get going in the past game. But in the second half, London was actually a, a pretty damn consistent. Starting week 10, London was a top 36 receiver in five of his last seven games, six of his last eight if you want to include the week 18 game. Yes, a lot of it was without Kyle Pitts, who last played in week 11. But nonetheless, Drake London was able to step up and produce as a rookie and now Desmond Ritter is at QB for Atlanta. That doesn't inspire the most confidence. You know, if it was a Derek Carr, if it wasn't Aaron Rodgers, we'd be a lot happier right now. But nonetheless, Drake London last season was pretty hilarious. 22nd in the league in targets with 117, but was fifth in target share at just under 30% and was second in target rate at over 30%, which is just elite oh, numbers. Target share of all time. Yeah, elite numbers as a rookie. His true target value was uh, way off on his production. It was because Marcus Mariota, Desmond Ritter and company, one of the biggest outlier years of all time for true throw value because they just hardly ever passed. So when they did pass, it got like marked off as super valuable. So Drake London was 15th in true target value despite being outside the top 40 in points per game. But I'm not looking into that. Um too much all in all now drake london's going as the wide receiver 24 obviously he's being drafted higher than what he produced last year expecting a jump into his sophomore year and at that cost i I don't hate it by any means he's not someone i'm like pounding the table trying to get but he's also someone that i uh if he falls to me and there's other players that i don't like other players that i like were drafted i'll gladly take him i ended up drafting him um, in the 14-team league uh, FSGA draft that I was a part of, and I was not upset about that at all. So, yeah, I mean, and then you got Mac Hollins, who you guys love, going off the board at wide receiver 98. Look, obviously, you're not going to draft him in redraft leagues. In best ball, you could do worse at wide receiver 98, last round pick. Someone else is going to have to catch the ball in that <laughs> offense besides Kyle Pitts and uh, – and Drake London and Scotty Miller is their wide receiver three. Like they have nobody behind <laughs> Scotty. Um, yeah, they have nobody behind Drake London and Matt Collins right now. I think something noted something that interesting that I did want to touch on with uh, that those outlier true value spikes that we were seeing with the Falcons passing offenses. Tim mentioned it at the top of the the pod with the offensive outlook. They were like dead last in turnovers or first in turnover rate, however you want to phrase it, right? So when you're passing that few times, even though it's only 17 touchdowns, but you only have six interceptions total in in 17 games, that's, yeah, that's why. And that's why you could like look into it for the same reason why Justin Fields did not have a high true throw value because there were more turnovers. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. I think uh, one thing I worry about with Drake London is that (sighs) – those number one wide receivers on teams that have offenses that don't pass a lot. This is according to Jason Moore. Um, those guys end up averaging, end up ending around the number one receiver for those teams that end in the bottom five of pass rate 
they end up averaging around wide receiver 35. Obviously, there are outliers to that, and a lot of them end up lower than that. So a lot of you know that's just the average. But I think a lot of them could have like a you know a Terry McLaurin esque type of season. Here's someone that I've never liked before, and that I am completely changing my tune on. And you know, I just want to put this out there that I am not a Kyle Pitts guy. Um, I I wrote. The, uh, you know, we do a lot here. We edit articles. We do podcasts. We, you know, we do all the stuff for the patrons and all that stuff. So, you know, I, although I like writing articles, I don't really write an article unless I have something, a lot to say. And I had a lot to say about why you shouldn't draft Kyle Pitts uh, <laughs> as a rookie. And then, um, you know, last year warned against drafting Kyle Pitts again, and it worked out this year. I am all I am completely on board with Kyle Pitts, and I'm trying to get as much Kyle Pitts as I possibly can. Um, why is that the case? Well, sometimes it's as simple as this is the third year for a tight end, and tight ends tend to break out in these years. And sometimes it's as easy as that, but if you look deeper, it's easy to you know back up that hypothesis. Like last year, injury shortened year hampered pitch season, but before he left. He was ninth in true target value at the position. He was fifth at yards per catch, first as at a dot, in a dot. So he was getting targeted down the field, but was a victim of extremely bad QB plays, play, excuse me, and no TDs. He caught less than 50% of his passes, guys. That's ridiculous. Last year, he led the NFL in off-season, off-target pass rate. That's according to USA Today. They, they say that 34% of his targets were off target. He was the number one player, despite all of that time missed, in true air yards, unrealized. So the most air yards to a person, unrealized. He only had five opportunities in the red zone last year. But in those five opportunities, he turned two of them into touchdowns. So with all of that against him, when he got the ball where he needed to get the ball, he did well with it. This year, he's healthy. The emergence of Drake London on the outside takes some pressure off of him. Bijan in the backfield definitely takes some pressure off of him. The team has more trust in the QB position, as I mentioned before. It's year three, like I said before. Let's take a look at some year year three. (laughs) Just to tell you how important year three is, let's take a look at some year three guys, right? Travis Kelsey, he made his first Pro Bowl in year three, right? Let's look at these. Points per game average. Gronk, 18 points per game. Jordan Reed, 17 and a half points per game. George Kittle, 16. Jimmy Graham, 16. Julius Thomas, 16. Evan Ingram, 14. The the guy who shall not be named that did some crazy shit, but you know who I'm talking about, 13 points per game. Like, these are guys who all had these really, really good careers and peaked in their third year. Some of them had other good years as well, but... Every single one of them had one of their best years in their third year. And I think it's important to note that this doesn't even have to be Kyle Pitt's breakout season because Kyle Pitt's already broke out. All right. Like, I don't know who needs to hear this, but Kyle Pitt's already is one of the best tight ends in the NFL. He's just being like completely stopped by Marcus Mariota last year in the off target throws his body of work has really been devalued by the expectations that come along with being the highest drafted tight end. All right, so 
to understand how rare he is, I just want to say this. He had a thousand yard season as a rookie, right? Here's a complete list of tight ends that had over 1,000 yards as a rookie in my lifetime for the past 34 years. All right. I guess. So we got Kyle Pitts. Seven. That's Ingram, it. Right? Not Evan Ingram. No one no, else. He had like 920, something like that. Zero people. Zero. It's only, it's only Kyle Pitts. Goose A. It's only Kyle Pitts. Mike no Dicka Jeremy Shockey. Exactly. In 1961, Mike Ditka did it. He already had his breakout season. Boy. Yeah, that's right. He already had his breakout season. He just didn't return on the ludicrous tight end four value that the industry placed on him because he didn't score TDs. In his entire career, two years, he's only been targeted inside the 10, 10 times in his whole career, and he scored three touchdowns on those passes. He's in a better offense, third year in the same system, great O-line, more willing to pass with the QB here than they were with Marcus Mariota, and the best part is his ADB is finally corrected. He's going at right now as the player 59 off the board. Um, that's a late fifth, early sixth-round pick, tight end five or tight end six, depending on where you're looking. Perfect price for Kyle Pitts. I think that Kyle Pitts is someone that I'm, I'm targeting. Uh, if Look, I don't really like taking quarterbacks and tight ends in the fifth, sixth round, things like that. So I'm going to have to make a choice, probably. I know I'm going to have to make a choice between Justin Herbert and Kyle Pitts. It's going to be a tough one. But I think that in that spot right there, Kyle Pitts is a great value. And he's someone that can really break out and have a, make a big difference on your team. I know, similar to Drake London, if, if he's... Like, if I like him in this spot, I'll draft him. But he's not someone I'm just going to be, like, targeting in every draft. I, I don't. I just don't trust Desmond Ritter. But we'll see. I get that. I mean, yeah, I get that, too. But I, I think that uh, the sky's the limit for Mr. Pitts. He was on the way to having a good season. If he would have, if he would have, like, went on a streak where he scored a touchdown in, you know, four out of five games uh, <laughs> instead of getting hurt. No, I mean, it's. That's a big ass. But yeah. <laughs> That's a nice Listen to the end of the story. Listen to the end of the story. Okay. Everyone listen. He would have ended as a top three tight end. Right. So you just Most add that. That's not too much to ask from a superstar. Like, is it going to be crazy if Kelsey scores four touchdowns in five games? No. I'm saying if he went on a streak of that nature, that's all Tim, he Tim, That's all Tim, he really Tim, needed Tim. To, to break out is some touchdowns. Why are you guys acting as if I'm crazy for saying that? You guys are weird. Because it's just a you can say because it's just like you can literally say that about any tight end that has at least 600 yards. If you add four more touchdowns to their sure. entire season, they're gonna yeah. Sure. Say it, but you're say not talking to, about a tight end that's being that's being targeted at the rate he's being targeted. Say it about like Kate Otten, and that guy's being drafted as a top 15 tight end this year, probably. What like, the hell are you talking about with Kate Otten, man? Any on tight end that scores four times in five weeks is oh going to be on gosh. people's radar. Shut up, it. man. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Go ahead. Example. Dynasty stash. We're going to touch back on Tyler Algier just to remind everybody that it's like in dynasties, specifically a time that you probably should roster your own handcuffs in a competitive nature. And if you're drafting Bijan Robinson, you better be pushing chips in to compete. Algier entered the NFL with elite pure rushing analytics, and those matter because he's still just in a second season. So it, it projects positively to his range of outcomes after putting up a thousand yards as a rookie, top 12 in the NFL in total rushing. Posted a collegiate career average of 6.4 yards per carry, 133.4 yards per game, 2.0 yards per team, and had an absurd touchdown market share in college of 75.8% in his best season. 
it's an Arthur Smith offense again. Unfortunately, as proven time and time again, fourth round draft capital is a death knell for job security. And now he doesn't really have any. But I don't think that Tyler Algier is really going anywhere either. I would never predict an injury in order to boost a, a guy's dynasty value. But I'm, I'm saying like, honestly, a, a kid that was an RB1 three weeks in a row with a 60% snap share to close out the fantasy season obviously won a lot of people a lot of leagues and, and we're forgetting about that utility as like the rb42 and dynasty rb46 and redraft i can't remember like uh, where mm-hmm. i heard it the phrase but it's a great phrase handcuff with benefits like it's uh it's like you it, it's a handcuff but you can start him in your flex you know yeah. he's gonna get he's gonna get in there you know handcuff with benefits look at 8.8 a game that's decent. You, that's decent. if you want some some benefits go 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 download the app that's where you need to go. You need to go go download the app. A lot of benefits on there. Maybe not the benefits you're thinking of. Get your head out of the gutter. Uh, at Brodo FF Tim on X slash Twitter. Um, at Psych Ward FF. At Brodo FF Mike. At Brodo FF Jason. At FF. Uh, oh, shout out to Cass, by the way. Not here. Oh, at um, Cass. Did a great job in the last eight episodes. Um, where, where, what else? Cass. At Brodo FF Casanova. Uh, at FF by Brodo. At Brodo Fantasy. Uh, YouTube.com slash Brodo Fantasy. Patreon.com slash Brodo Fantasy. All right. We're going to see you tomorrow. Someone say a, a team, and we're going to go there next. Just say it. Go. Saints. Saints. Boom. Peace.